Yeah, it's kind of like allowing everybody to change and readjust. And I think sometimes what we do in families is we talk about something once and then we think that's going to work and be okay. Rather than being able to frequently have these check-in sessions and, you know, how is this working for you? Are we over too much? Is there something I could do differently? And I love that idea of being able to have that front loading where before a big change comes up, we talk about what are your expectations? What's going to work for us? What won't? I'm Amy. And I'm Abby. And as women, we are constantly comparing ourselves to others. But your life isn't supposed to look like hers. Being your best self means standing firm in your decisions and always being willing to grow with a purpose. We get vulnerable and real with an honest look into the challenges and triumphs we all face. Every woman listening gets the opportunity to choose what life looks like for herself. In the U.S. this week, we are celebrating Labor Day. So we know many of you might be with your friends, you might be with your family, and you don't have that normal Monday morning podcast listen. For this reason, we are throwing in a Greatest Hits episode. And this one is going to be especially important if you are with your in-laws this week. Tracy D. joins the Herself podcast to talk about in-law dynamics as it relates to children. Because yes, this is your time to be a parent. Your kids are so important to you. But also... This is the time where your in-laws can shine as grandparents. There's going to be some learning curves. There's going to be some challenges, but getting through it together and getting through it in a way that everyone can be happy is what Tracy D focuses in on in this episode. If you like what you hear, which we know you will, because this is one of our most listened to episodes of all time. Tune in to episode 94. Episode 94 is the second part in this two-part series where we go into in-law dynamics as it relates to adults in the relationship and making sure to keep the peace while also keeping our boundaries alive. So we are so excited to have Tracy D on the podcast this week, and we can't wait to hear what you pull the second time listening, or maybe if you're hearing her for the very first time. We are excited to have Dr. Tracy Dugleish back on the podcast today. She appeared way back in episodes 16 and 17, where we talked about how to keep your relationship healthy during social distancing and managing anxiety during the pandemic. Unfortunately, those episodes might still be relevant to you. So know that they are back there, episodes 16 and 17, if you need them. Today, Tracy is back on the podcast to talk about in-law relationships. Tracy is a clinical psychologist and a couples therapist. She is the host of I Am Not Your Shrink podcast and shares so many great messages on Instagram where you can find her at at dr.tracyd. Tracy, I would love it if you reintroduced yourself to our listeners and also add why you're so passionate about speaking on the topic of in-laws. Ooh. Good question to start with. Let me first start by saying, Abby and Amy, I'm so glad to be back on the podcast with you. And what a wild year and a half we have had. It's hard to think back of that dark, oh my goodness, I can't even remember what day it was, but that dark March, April day that we sat together and talked about where we were at the first of this pandemic. So 
First, thank you for having me back. Thank you to everyone tuning in today. And also, I just want to acknowledge all that you guys are doing in your community, really celebrating what it means to show up as a woman, you know, listening to everything you guys have to share and offer. I just absolutely love following you guys and seeing what you do. So who am I? I help empower women and couples to improve their communication and build strong and healthy connections with themselves and their relationships. And I do this through therapy, wellness seminars, and my work outside of the therapy room. I have really found in the last year and a half with the pandemic that access to services has been really difficult. So having an online program for women and couples who are looking to improve their communication and connection has really been meaningful during this time. I am also the owner of Ottawa's Mental Health Clinic Integrated Wellness. And I always tell people that the hardest thing I have ever had to do is be a mom and I have two young children at home. Why am I passionate about this topic? My goodness. You know, I think it really goes back to what we all learn about our own boundaries in life and knowing that, you know, for many of us, we might have had difficult conversations show up, or maybe we were taught nothing about boundaries and our no's weren't respected. And, you know, I think knowing how important our families are. And being able to have that value nurtured in a way that feels good for us is so important, not just for when we become parents, but also in terms of our romantic relationship. It's really important. Well, our families are so important to us and at the same time can drive us nuts once in a while. So I think that this is is coming at a really good time and we were flooded with questions for you. So we're going to dive right in. And I think a great place to start is just defining what a boundary is. So it's definitely a buzzword right now. And we also know how important boundaries are. So let's start with talking about what, what a boundary is. Yeah, absolutely. Let's define this first. So a boundary, I like to say, is like this invisible line where I end and you begin. And anything before that line is within my control. So those are my choices, my actions, thoughts, feelings, desires, and wishes, whether I remove myself from a situation or I you know, have agency to change something. So I am able to set that boundary. And it really is about, I think this is such an important piece because people will say, well, I don't want to exclude other people. And I think what we need to realize is when it comes to setting boundaries, we are actually talking about inclusion. We are trying to include people in our life and to have them part of our our world in a way that feels good for us. So boundaries are not about exclusion and shutting people out. It's about bringing people closer into us and finding a relationship that feels good for yourself. Now, there are a few things that people get tripped up on. So I always like to ask people, what happened as a child when you said no? If you were sick, were you allowed to stay home? If you were parting from family members and you said, no, I don't want to give grandma a hug, were you told you have to go give grandma a hug? Did other res- others respect what you needed, right? Boundaries are about needs and what we, what we want from other people. And so people get tripped up on thinking that boundaries means that you are bad or that you are treating someone else in some uncomfortable, misfortunate, or negative way, when actually boundaries are about nurturing the relationship. And then also too, we get stuck on 
whether we are not having any boundaries at all. So that's something we would say are more porous in our boundaries where we're, we don't say no, we let people decide things for us. We agree to things that maybe we don't want to kind of like that self-betrayal or we get so far into applying the same rigid boundary to every situation, every context and every person. And the last piece is really important around boundaries because people get tripped up on this. They'll say, well, you know, I tell them what I want, but then they don't do it. And so boundaries come down to, it's not about being able to control other people. It's about controlling what you do and then how you set consequences to that. And we can only control our actions as much as we want other people around us to do exactly what we want. Right. It doesn't work. And the key here in all that answer and something that Amy and I, we have talked about on this podcast, we've had others bring up as well, is that boundaries are good. They bring us closer together when sometimes we can think of them as being rude. It actually helps that relationship and helps the relationship that we're in. Mm-hmm. And even with our romantic partner, right? Like there are times mm-hmm. where, you know, our partners will say, I really need to talk and you might have this big meeting coming up tomorrow and you have to respond with, I love you. I want to talk, but I can't do it until tomorrow, right? Boundaries are okay. Yes. So let's go into a little bit more on the shift that happens inside that in-law relationship mm. after children join the equation. It was night and day different for Colin and I, and I know for many, many couples, it's the same. So one listener asked, how can we navigate mother-in-law's sudden interest in seeing us more often now that we have a baby? She plays the comparison game with family who we've always been close to and seen more often. So Tracy, how do we even go about this conversation? Yeah, this is such a tough one. Yeah. So grandparents, you know, yes, they are part of families, but I think sometimes they feel like they have a right to their grandchild. And it's important to acknowledge, of course, I also note that in some provinces and states that could be different, um, but in terms of developing a relationship and how close that relationship is, um, it really does need to be developed. And you ultimately are the parents and you're not responsible for meeting everybody else's desire, right? So whether it's the grandparents, whether it's an aunt and uncle, a sibling, whoever that might be. So I think it's really important to be able to take a step back and to talk about what it is that you and your partner want and need in this relationship. So one of the biggest things I think that we'll dive into too, and maybe we do it right here, is talking about getting on the same team with your partner. That you want to make sure that you guys are talking in we language, that you're on the same page. Um, And so what works for both of you? So how can we navigate this? What comes to mind for me is around the boundary recipe that I like to use. A boundary recipe looks like I'm going to empathize with the other person that they likely have good intentions. So let's see, this question is, she's suddenly interested in seeing us more now that we have a baby. We know that you love being a grandma and you're so excited to be around baby, right? That's empathizing with somebody else. Okay, now I want you to describe what it is that you feel and also what you need. And that would be, you know, we're not available or, you know, we're not able to meet with you, whatever that is, and then clarify what you need for next time. So here's the thing, what comes up when I read this question and when you guys ask it, she plays the comparison game with my family. Uh, Does she know that she's doing this? Is this something that you can openly talk to her about? Or is this more something that you just kind of have to make that mental note and set a firm boundary with her? Ooh, this is, I could see how it's hard, you know, like, because I think in our minds, a lot of time, the idea of being fair 
can come up. Mm. And I think that's sometimes the in-laws are playing that card that they want things to be more fair. Comparison came in a lot when we got these questions from our listener. Another listener said her father-in-law constantly guilt trips and compares the kid's relationship against her own parents and against the mother-in-law because these in-laws are divorced. Her husband says to just keep quiet about it, but it bothers her. Is there any advice that you have for this situation? Yeah. So let's just think about what you said there, Amy, around things being kind of equal, right? We get into this um, wanting equality between families. And I think the reality is that it's not going to be equal. And what I see often happening, and this is all kind of the, it depends um, in terms of what a family looks like, but it oftentimes what I see is that the mother is closer to her family compared to her in-law family. And we know that women tend to be the nurturers of families so that they are going to nurture the relationship. Naturally, they will nurture it more with their own families. So it is hard. And I I mean, you guys know this, you'll be mother-in-laws one day. I will be a mother-in-law one day that it's going to be hard to be kind of the not chosen one. So I think it's important to acknowledge that not everything is going to be equal. And so sometimes what people might choose to do is to actually not have conversations about the other family. So, you know, if they, if, you know, you're sharing, oh, we were with my family the other day, maybe you stop sharing those things so that, you know, there is just that separation. Families don't need to know everything that's going on with each other, um, especially in situations where someone is guilt tripping them. So this question specifically, I'm really curious about why the husband wants her to keep quiet and how important this is. So what's important when it comes to boundaries is it's always like asking yourself, is this a boundary that I need to set with somebody else? Or is this a self-boundary, a boundary that I set with myself? And that looks like if my father-in-law says those things, my self-boundary is I'm not going to listen to it. I'm not going to respond to it. I'm going to go off to the bathroom, splash some cold water in my face, you know, use the washroom and come back out. That would be a self-boundary. I'm not going to engage in that conversation. I'm going to give myself space and time. Or is this the question of setting a boundary and actually saying something to him? My question around boundaries is always about who you're giving that boundary with. Is this person able to understand that they guilt trip and they do this comparisons? I I would probably guess that that comparisons, if I were to just kind of play armchair psychologist, you know, when someone does this guilt tripping comparisons, they're talking about a need. They have some kind of need. So I imagine this father-in-law needs to feel important. And, you know, knowing there's a divorce, knowing there's another family, maybe he doesn't feel important. That's not really for this this mother's role to take on. Um, But the question is, if I'm going to say something to him, can he actually understand what it is that I'm saying. And if not, maybe the choice is to not engage in that conversation with them. So how how could we navigate that? If he guilt trips it in the moment, being able to just reflect the emotion, being able to say, yeah, that is really hard. I see that. Kind of like what we would do with our kids. And then being willing to change the conversation. 
we are behaviorally reinforced in our relationships. So if we then start to go into the conversation with him and say, you know, it's just that this person asked this, and then we had this commitment and we did this. When you start to argue your side, or as I recently talked about on my Instagram space, when you start to over-explain your decision and choices, in some ways you are giving permission to the other person to continue to have that conversation. Versus if you change gears and say, non-verbally, I'm not going to talk about that, then they don't have that permission to ask the question. I'd be really curious for, for this couple to get on the same page. So she's saying her husband tells me to keep quiet, but it bothers her. I, I would really want them to be on the same page. And is it something that she agrees to let go? Is it something that he has to say to his dad um, just so that she doesn't become the bad guy with his dad? Yeah, it's hard because you want to have open communication, but sometimes you need to just have boundaries with that communication too, is what it sounds like. Yes. Yeah. We don't have to talk about everything. Sometimes those boundaries are within ourselves, And that is always that question of, it depends. Is this something that is chewing away at you that you are constantly thinking about? Is it like an every time visit experience? If they can't meet you and hear a boundary, then perhaps you have to find something to do for yourself to be able to cope through that. Remember, boundaries are not about getting the other person to understand you. Boundaries are about doing something to protect yourself. And now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Amy and I have both been through quite the journey when it comes to in-laws. And one of the conversations that we can have that you can also have with your therapist is just about the communication with other people, whether it's your in-laws, your partner, your friends, or really anybody else in your life. But understanding that with boundaries, you only control one side of the street that is the most important thing to think about. And that's one thing that a therapist can help you out with. Sometimes there's just blocks. We know what we need to do. We know that there are places that we can improve, but we just need help getting there. And that's where a therapist can really come in handy. If you go to betterhelp.com slash herself, you also get 10% off your first month. So if you're looking at taking your mental health more seriously, now is a great time to do it with the help of BetterHelp. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash herself for 10% off your first month. And now... Back to our show. You said something really great at the end of that last response as well about being on the same page as your partner. And one of our listeners actually asked, like, my significant other and I are not on the same page with how often my mother-in-law should get to see our son. And in this case, they live right next door mm. to the mother-in-law. So what advice do you have here? <laughs> Don't live it right next door to family. Oh, I'm okay. <laughs> You know, I can say that I live three to six hours away from family. So we know what it means to be distant. And, you know, at the same time, that comes with challenges. We don't have that next door built in babysitter. Okay. So this is that compromise piece that is so important in our relationship. Um, what, what matters about the relationship with your mother-in-law? What, what's important about that? Um, when it comes to your partner, I want you to have that conversation. Like what... So when we think about compromise, uh, Dr. John Gottman really uses the analogy of like a bagel. So in the middle of the bagel, the whole, that is your non-negotiable. That is something that you absolutely need. And then on the outside of it, you try to find areas of flexibility. What are areas that you are willing to compromise on? So it might be something like, 
you know, it's not okay for you to come over right before bedtime, or it's not okay for you to just do drop bys. We need to know. So whatever that's going to be with you and your partner. But one of the things that really came up for me when I read this question was what's the buy-in for your partner? And what is this about? And so it's funny because I'm actually not answering the question by asking more questions and this is, this is my psychologist move here. But the question here is, what is this about for your partner? I would be really curious to go into that with your partner because sometimes partners will say, well, my mom's on their own or I don't want to upset my mom or my mom just tries to do their best. So, okay. So then let's talk about that. If I can understand that my partner is afraid to upset their mom, well, tell me more about that. And what's the worst thing that could happen if you say no to her? She's going to still love you. She might be upset for a little bit. And are you willing to be upset for that? Are you willing to have her upset for a little bit? The important piece here is that we don't want you, so the person who's writing in, we don't want mom to be the scapegoat. So we want you and your partner to be on the same page so that you don't become the bad guy. Sometimes what partners will do is they'll start going to their moms. So this is say, this is her husband going to his mom and saying, oh, Amy doesn't want you to come over today. So we're, you know, we just, you really can't come over today. You can't come over for bedtime. It stresses Amy out. Amy, I'm just using you as an example. (laughs) And so then what happens though, is his mom has to digest this information and goes, oh, it's Amy. I knew it. Amy's the one who's keeping us apart. I'm just kind of playing this out with how I see it happen in in sessions. So the thing though, is that, that that's not completely true. And And what would be harder and also more beneficial for the couple as the new family unit, right? You've left your each of you, you've left each of your families, you're creating your own family unit. You now have to protect your family unit first. I want to say that one more time. You have left your families. You are now creating your new family unit with your own values and roles that will be your uniquely familial experience. What what message are you trying to give to your mom? And in that, your mom might be upset at setting the boundary for the first time. If you say, we don't want you to come over without calling us first, she might say, well, this isn't you. Is this Amy? Then you want to just emphasize again, no, this is something we really need. There's a follow-up question in here. And I think the follow-up question is, well, she lives next door. What happens if she just shows up? And if this is the case, then find some way to, again, set that boundary, which sounds like we know you love to come over and see our son. You are a good grandma in that way. We love that about you, that you want to spend time with him. We can't have you keep coming, dropping by like this last minute. And the next time you come over and not let us know that you're coming over and calling us first, we're not going to open the door. And when she comes over tomorrow and she hasn't told you guys don't open the door. This is, you know, this is where it gets tough because I feel like most of us have that knee-jerk reaction. Like that that seems mean, but if you set yeah, a boundary... Just, okay, I'll just open the door, right? She's here. I got to open the door. Yeah, yeah. If you set a boundary and you don't reinforce it, then you might as well not have set one in the first place. So it's right. just about you're not being mean. You're just following through on what you already told her, like, please respect this. 
And that that's sorry, sorry, that's to say also that you can still validate someone's hard emotion, right? Yeah. So you can still say, yes, I know that's hard for you. We didn't open the door. We told you that if you came over, we would not be able to open the door. I know that's really hard for you. And you don't have to do anything else with that because oh, my community hates when they, I always get some backlashes when I say this one, but you're not responsible for other people's feelings. You are responsible for how you communicate things. You can look at your intentions. Your intentions of setting those boundaries are not malicious or mean, um, but ultimately you're not responsible for how someone else responds to that. Yeah. And I know in our community too, we've heard the expectations sometimes just do not match the reality. So Mm -hmm. we've had listeners that move across the country because they're expecting that they're going to get a lot of help from these family Ah. members that say that they're going to help. And then when they get there and that's not the case, they're not as available as normal. Or as they said, they would be, there's a lot of resentment. And they're like, Uh we picked up and we moved across the country and now you guys are not as available. So I think, I don't even know how we can frame this, but like the expectations that both parties have, if you're going to move so close like that, I feel like they really have to be laid on the table. And then it's really hard because sometimes until the grandkids are there and noisy and boisterous, they might not know how often they want to help. Yeah. It's kind of like allowing everybody to change and readjust. And, And I think sometimes what we do in families is we talk about something once and then we think that's going to work and be okay. Rather than being able to frequently have these check in sessions and, you know, how is this working for you? Are we over too much? Is there something I could do differently? And I love that idea of being able to have that front loading where before a big change comes up, we talk about what are your expectations? What's going to work for us? What won't? A quick break from our longtime sponsor, Gooder. By now, you guys know how much Abby and I love these sunglasses for lots of reasons. But some of the highlights include they are no slip, no bounce, they're all polarized, and they come in so many different styles that you are sure to find one that fits your personal style. I love the Bosley's Basset Hound Dreams. Mick and Keith's Midnight Ramble, Back Nine Blackout. I mean, you guys know me. I like the traditional ones, but if you're a little bit more edgy or you like more color, there are certainly shades for you too. So if you want to try on some gooders, you can go to their website where there's a virtual try-on before you buy. When you're ready to buy, you want to go to gooder.com, that's G-O-O-D-R.com, and use the code HERSELF15 for 15% off your first order. That's G-O-O-D-R.com, and HERSELF15 is your code. Back to the show. Yeah, you guys, we can all, all three of us know how complicated some of this stuff gets, Mm -hmm. which is why we're opening the conversation in the first place. As you mentioned, Tracy, I think it's nearly impossible to have healthy relationships if the mom and the dad aren't on the same page. Mm -hmm. Because then what's happening is that you're giving these mixed signals to the people that you're trying to set these boundaries with. So I know we 
touched on this, but I would love if you answered, how can couples listening that are working through issues like the ones we're talking about get on the same page? Is there any activity or resource that you could recommend? Yeah. I mean, this is something I cover in my online program, Be Connected. You can also find this stuff in Gottman's online resources, Gottman.com around compromise. Um, I address compromises and triggers and how to talk about these things with your partner in my program. But I think let's dig into this a little bit more. The first thing is when it comes to having these boundary conversations and talking to your partner is that I want you to acknowledge that you are not there to problem solve your partner's family dynamics. I think that's really huge to be able to take that step back and say, whatever was happening in your partner's family was happening before you showed up. And that sometimes once people get married, once they bring children into the dynamic, that then these issues start to surface because you know this new family unit wants to have boundaries when perhaps that family has never had boundaries before. So first and foremost, have that perspective going into these conversations with your partner and to make sure that you don't criticize their family. It's okay to complain, but to make sure you're not criticizing. And I think sometimes what can be important is that, you know, when you go to your partner and you say something like, oh, I can't believe your mother did that again. Did you see her? Did you see that she just took over and da, 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 da. Naturally, your partner will get defensive because that's his mom. Um, or her mom, and they're going to protect their their family. It makes sense to do that. So it can be helpful to go into some of these conversations. I like to talk about going into it in terms of a bottom-up approach where you might ask like, oh, you know, I noticed your mom did this. What was that like for you? Did you have any thoughts about this? Did you like this? Did you not? Uh, and then if they are maybe perhaps more avoidant and they don't see these things, you might start to gently share what it's like for you. Not in the way of having this big emotional expression if your partner doesn't match you there, but being able to start sharing like, oh, like I felt hurt that your mom did this, or it felt overwhelming that this happened. And the key thing that you want to remember is that you want to be that united front piece, which really means about being the we, you and your partner communicating about what your needs and expectations are before family events, before family comes over so that you're on the same page. Because what can end up happening, and actually, I think this happened with someone that I was working with, so that the the mother-in-law would say, um, he's looking really tired. I think you need to encourage um, my husband, so your husband, my son, to take time off. And this individual really felt like it was then her job to have to then mother her husband when she was having her own stuff show up. And so what happens in that situation is the situation of triangulation, where the relationship between son and mom is no longer there. Instead, wife is put in the middle between mother-in-law and son. And that can really affect the marriage, that unit. So we really want to avoid that. And to just to avoid that, it means talking about what you expect going into these events together, going into families. I think that's really important. Tracy, I feel that entire answer in my soul. Like <laughs> every mm-hmm. piece of that. And this is a reminder for our listeners, if you're having these same type of in-law challenges, especially if you and your partner aren't that united front when dealing in these situations, this is a great one to listen to with your partner or to send over to your partner because these answers can help not only you, but can help your partner get on the same page. 
So Tracy, a lot of questions did come in about grandparents, especially grandparents enforcing their beliefs. And one woman Mm -hmm. said, if your in-laws aren't willing to change and have different beliefs and how you set limits, how do we still allow our children moments with their grandparents? So I'd love your response on that one. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a tough one because I know we can talk about really big things and a few things that come to mind are, okay, are we talking about safety, right? What What's the expression survivorship bias where parents will say, grandparents will say, well, we didn't strap you down in the car seat. You're still fine, right? So I think first and foremost, when it comes to safety, making sure that you're on the same page. And for partners, what I encourage is that it's a non-negotiable. I'll also share in my own relationship that when anything was around safety for our children, it didn't matter how it was communicated. You just accepted that, you know, your partner says, ah, oh, the buckles aren't tight enough. You don't say, I was trying my best. Can't you see? We just say, yes, thank you for letting me know. I will do better next time. So when it comes to safety, that's a completely different issue here. We want to make sure that your children are physically safe. When it comes to some of these beliefs, what you might choose to do is you might choose, like, it really depends on this one. So what are your visiting terms? Are there things that maybe you wish to not be part of? Maybe there are events that you don't want to be part of. Um, You are always allowed to shift your focus. Like You have agency to be able to change what's happening. The other thing I like to acknowledge is, again, this is outside of safety, but if someone has different beliefs, how can we see what the grandparents do as offering an opportunity to learn and grow. Our children will learn eventually what feels good for them or what doesn't. And we can see this even in babies, right? If grandma comes in and gives, uh, we're picking on grandma, but grandma or grandpa, whoever it is, comes in and gives a big kiss and baby pushes grandma away, right? Already in that moment, your child is saying, I'm not comfortable with this. Please don't. They don't have the words to say that yet. So trusting that our children will have their own thoughts and feelings about family members, helping them to develop their own opinions, talk about and process their own feelings. You know, you might ask your kids questions. Of course, this is when they get older, but you might say something like, oh, how did it feel when grandma did that? What was that like for you? You know, this this is sometimes what people feel. So being able to talk about that allows your children to grow. And then also remember that grandparents offer something different. I, I like to think of communities and villages And that grandparents can offer something that you can't. And maybe you don't completely agree with it. Like, I'm trying to think of like, I don't know. Do you guys have any ideas? I can give you a really good example of something. Yeah, give me a good example. Okay, so my mother-in-law and father-in-law are much more traditional. So the Mm. woman does a lot more. And the man is a little bit more catered to. And so my um, niece was in the kitchen and she was kind of, you know, kind of playing house, like getting some things (laughs) out, whatever. And my mother-in-law was like, look at Autumn in the kitchen. She's going to be such a good wife. Mm. And my sister-in-law and I are like, (laughs) that's just not something that we would say nor believe that that qualifies as a good wife. Yeah, Um, I think over time, we've kind of learned, you know, these children are really someday going to form their own belief system. And so these little moments where my mother-in-law, she does have more traditional values. Um, 
it's something that we feel like we can kind of let slide, whereas right. it used to turn us up so much, Tracy. Like we're like, <laughs> can you believe she said that? Um, and we're just kind of giving it a little bit more grace. Yeah. And understanding that we are going to have the bigger influence on our kids. Absolutely. To kind of demonstrate a different relationship than, you know, she's kind of talking about. That is such an important piece to recognize. And, and that's why, again, we're outside of safety issues, right? That your, your child is going to be exposed to all kinds of different systems. And grandma plays a small role. And remembering that the work you do at home is always going to be the bulk of it. My, my favorite thing to talk about to parents is about how... You know, and I can remember someone in my family saying this, you really need to leave your, it was my first, he was five months and we, we left him with my mother-in-law and he cried as most children do when you leave, your, when you leave them. So we're going out for a date night and when we got home, she said, you really need to leave him more. And we thought, okay, well, first that's the, that's a healthy attachment. Your child's supposed to cry when you leave. And he was fine after we left. Um, But then the other thing that grandparents will do is they'll say, well, he doesn't whine and fuss with me. I don't know why he does that with you. And I like to remind parents that you are the safe base, the secure haven for them, that they are going to have, the kids will let themselves have the letdown with you and show all of the emotions. But when it comes to showing up with grandparents or at school or at daycare or with friends, they're going to put some of that stuff away because it's not as safe as it is at home with you. And I always want to remind parents, like you provide that safety. You are the teachers. You're playing the major role for them, particularly in those first five, six, seven years. It sounds like my house is a very safe place because I have a lot of emotions (laughs) going on. Um, And I think where this gets really hard is if the in-law thinks that he or she knows more, knows Mm -hmm. best for our kids. So another question that came in is how do we navigate when the mother-in-law thinks that she knows what our kids need more than we do. And so there are some of these in-laws that really push this. You know, it's not just in passing. It's like a clear statement. Like, I think I know better for your Mm -hmm. child than you do. Mm Yeah. So this is something that we talked about in our mother-in-law web at Boundary webinar. And it was really about um, adding a container around this that sometimes what we can do is we can say, you know, yes, you guys have been parents and, you know, you, you raised your son really well, or you raised me well. Thank you very much. Um, We don't really need this advice. And, but we want to, you know, you play a role here. We want to give you an opportunity to, to give us an advice. So we don't want this drop in advice, but let's plan to have a meeting and you can share your wisdom with us at that meeting. So you're offering this container for it. So that could be something that you you do. Um, And then also to, oh goodness, (laughs) here's the thing. Sometimes we just have to say to them, you know, I know you're coming from a good place. It doesn't help me when you're giving me this advice and I don't want it. And then the next time they give it, you might say, I don't want to go into this. I'm not going to talk about this and then change the topic. Again, when we go into that over-explaining, when we go into that space of, no, like the research says this, and this is why we've decided it. And then this, and my friends and dad, these are all the reasons. When we start to over-explain and justify our reasons why we're doing something, we are giving the other person permission to ask us and talk about these things. 
I think a lot of this is knowing your in-laws as well. So where some Mm. might be great with that sit-down meeting conversation, others might need more of a soft conversation. So play to your strengths, play to what they are what they need in that moment. And that could really help the conversation. I know for us personally, it was way harder when we had just one kid and my mm-hmm. mother-in-law yeah. would say those things than after we had two and definitely three. Now it's like, well, I know I definitely know my kids right now. Well, and don't you think that's also the birth of the mother, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have to learn to trust yourself. And I can remember when my first was born and just feeling so shaky and trying to find my two feet being firmly planted in the ground that when someone would say something, I would go into this whole self-doubt space and am I doing the right thing and my nod. And it's kind of the gift your first kid gives you is kind of a bit of that, like, here's what it's like. I'm going to birth you to be a mom. And then your second one, you feel a little bit more confident. You're like, okay, well, I've done this before. I know what works. I'm going to listen to my inner intuition and trust myself on this one. I think the other thing too, and, and I'm open to sharing this is that, you know, I had a conversation with my father-in-law once and he had said, you know, we're just trying to give you advice that that's what our parents did for us. And so that's what we're trying to do for you. And I told him how much I could recognize that that, that's what he felt his role was. And I had clearly said in our day to day, we are flooded by advice. You know, it shows up in every social media channel. All of our friends are talking about it, that, that the accessibility is there and that we actually don't need that anymore. And what we do need, and I think this was really important for us, was, was or for me rather, was to say what I did need. And I said, I need you to just tell us that we are doing a good job because these moments are so hard and that is what we really need. And ever since that day, he has never given me advice again. It's been very powerful in our relationship. Yeah, I love that you said that because what I was thinking is like, this was my in-law's first grandchild. Like Mm -hmm. a a grandma and a grandpa were also born. And so they had to learn how to operate in that new to them role. And so, yeah, we fumbled along the way, but we've really got to a really good place now. So I just wanted to say that for people listening, because I think when you're a first time parent, you can be like, we're all admitting very defensive. You might say things in a tone that you later regret. I think a lot of us have been there. And so today Uh we're trying to give tools so that you guys can both show each other some grace and understand like we're having these tough conversations so that we can get to a better place. And as I framed it to my mother-in-law so that I can enjoy my time with you. Yes, absolutely. Because you want that. You want, ultimately we do, we come from families. We hope we can continue that. It might be a value for us. It might be a value for our partners. And we need to consider what what we want to offer for our children as well. And I know that this, I know this conversation is so weighted in terms of things that have happened in the past for people, the hurts that other family members have done. It, It can be really challenging to navigate. So hard, so hard. And there's so much more beyond this conversation that we have decided to make this into a two-part series. So where this episode really focused in on the complexities of relationship dynamics when kids enter the picture, the next one is going to start to focus on the relationship dynamics between adults. So tune in next week for that one. And thank you so much for listening to this. As always, if you enjoyed it, please, please take the time to share it on your Instagram story, taking herself podcast and Dr. Tracy D. We can't wait to see how you receive it.